But, um, but how many, I'm just curious, how many of you, ladies, well, and I guess men too, if you helped out, were here yesterday morning for the, oh, look at that. That is, I have just heard the most wonderful things. I mean, I mean, I, mean, I don't know where she went. She was sitting right, our very own Sandy Hutchinson, I just heard was phenomenal in sharing uh, her testimony. And um, I know that, you know, on, on behalf of the church, we're just all very thankful for all of those who helped make that possible because I know it went a lot of time and energy into making that event happen. Um, but I, uh, I want to start off, I, re- I remember when I was a young, well, young boy, well, this is going to date me or tell my age a little bit or lack thereof, maybe I should say. Um, but I remember as a boy in the early 80s, um, there was this commercial jingle that used to be on the TV a lot, and I would like go around the house kind of singing it and get stuck in my head. And I'm curious if there's anybody who remembers what, what product they were, these people were trying to sell. But uh, the jingle kind of went, went like this. Sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. What, are they, what is that? I heard, a, who, is, who said that first? Hey, look at what I got here for you. You got, there you go. Now, don't eat all at once. It's so big. I know, it's massive. And all the rest of you guys who knew that and don't get a prize, you can um, see Michael Hansen afterwards and fight over his wallet. I, I don't think there's much in it, though, just so you know. Um, okay, rein it in. Okay, let's get started. Okay, so my point in bringing that up is, I, you know, it's a good, I enjoy it. I've always liked that candy bar, but, um, but I've always felt like the name is a little misleading. I mean, the almond part makes sense. There's an almond in it, but joy, like, I mean, it's good, but is it, is it joy good? Is it, I mean, it, is it really that good? Is that our definition of what joy is? If our definition is a, a sweet treat that 20 minutes later we feel this sugar crash, you know, and lethargic, and, and then we feel just guilty about ourselves because we just stuffed our face full of, you know, junk food, then, then I, don't, I don't really want that kind of joy. You know, that, that joy seems lacking in a lot of ways. And, you know, last week Michael did, he kicked off our Advent series just really talking about that we're calling, we're calling this series Inbreaking. And he kicked it off and talked about how when Jesus arrived on this earth, it really wasn't this, it wasn't this passive event. It was an inbreaking of the kingdom of God. The, like heaven crashing into earth, changing it forever in the form of this little baby boy. And last week, I thought Michael did an excellent job talking about you know, the power of hope, the power of hope that we can have because of that inbreaking. And today, I get to talk about the power of joy. And um, we're going to talk about what true biblical joy looks like, and I, and I hope to show you that it's a little bit more than almond joy. Um, but let's pray, pray with me real quick. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, thank you for the gift of Advent. It's this beautiful miracle of Christmas that as we're preparing for it here in a few weeks, it's just such a wonderful time to remember the joy that you have for us. And I pray your joyous presence would continue to be here with us today, that you might do something awesome in us, that we might leave different people, changed people, joyful people. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, it doesn't take, I don't think, an in-depth study to, to come to the conclusion that joy is often missing in our lives and in our society. It seems like joy can be quite evasive at times. 
Once you think you have a little bit of joy, it seems like something snatches it away. We all go through days or seasons where we know that the level of joy in our lives is lacking. Whether it's a a crisis or a stressful time or just even a rude comment from somebody in the grocery store, it can easily steal our joy if we're not careful about it. And even if we are having a joyful day or joyful season, you know, all we have to do is turn on the news for five minutes and realize that there are a lot of people in the world that aren't, that aren't having joy today. And I don't think it's too surprising to hear, you know, when we hear statistics like this, that depression is on the rise, anxiety is on the rise, stress rates are going up. I read um, recently that in 2017, already this year, they're saying that suicide rate is up 125% in our country from what it was the last couple years. Seems like a big jump. As many of you I know, and I know many of you guys, I know many of you that statements like this, statistics like this, you know, they're not just impersonal facts. Like, this is your life. Like, this is a reality. These are things that you struggle with. And if you don't struggle with them, there are people that you love and care about that struggle with them. You know, so that we know and recognize that there is this human need, this natural human need that we all need joy. We are made to be filled with joy. But I think, I think at times we settle sometimes for what we think is joy, but is really happiness. See, there's a difference. There's a difference between happiness and joy. See, happiness is based primarily on external things, external circumstances, that things that are out of our control. And they're not necessarily bad things. Happiness isn't a bad thing. It's a good thing. But, but it but it's often uh, it's found mostly in temporary things, things that can be taken away from us. We find happiness temporarily in things like new relationships or food or TV shows, and, and in the end, they leave us longing for more and empty inside. And when the circumstances of our lives turn rotten, happiness goes right with it. But joy, joy is different. Joy is is not contingent on our circumstances. Joy is more internal. See, happiness is about trying to figure out what can bring us life. Joy is found in realizing who can bring us life. It's based on being firmly rooted in knowing that God knows you and he loves you and you can know him. It's possible, it's actually possible to live a life that is filled with tough circumstances and still experience full joy. It's actually possible. This is the beauty of Advent. It really is. It's the beautiful part about Advent that when Jesus is born on Christmas Day in this little town of Bethlehem, that the source of true joy is breaking into this world. That's the first point in your notes, that Jesus is the source of joy. We're going to look at a verse here, Luke 2, Luke 2, 8 through 11. If you want to open your Bibles to that or watch on the screens or check it out on your smartphone, I'm going to be jumping around a lot today, so I would encourage you to just at least write these verses down, just write them like the, you know, the reference to it in your notes so you can go back and look at them later this week. But we're going to be looking at Luke 2, starting in verse 8 and 11, and it says this, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, 
And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of Bethlehem, I'm sorry, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. See, one of the definitions of joy, if you look it up in Webster's Dictionary, is this. It says, joy is a source or cause of delight. What is the ultimate source of delight? It's Jesus. He is the author and perfecter of joy. Who Jesus is and what he accomplished during his ministry, his death and resurrection is in his life and during his life is the source of our ultimate joy. It's the source of our joy. See, right after Jesus was born on Christmas Day, these shepherds, these shepherds are watching over their sheep, and the angel appears to them and scares them to death. But after that, there's a statement that, the, that this angel says, and he makes this promise that the source of joy is broken into the world. And it's not just for these shepherds. Thankfully, it's, it's for us non-shepherds too. You know, it's for, it's for all people. It's for all people. It's for Jews and non-Jews. Men and women, children, elderly, slaves, free. Everybody has access to the joy that Jesus offers. And the shepherds, they're so excited, they run. They run to meet this baby boy. And after seeing it's true, he is actually here. They run to tell others with great joy and excitement as well. When, the, when Jesus is born, there's this, this inbreaking of joy that begins to be realized. Derek Morphew, a vineyard scholar, says it like this. He says that when the kingdom of God breaks in, there is always, always a sign of joy that accompanies it. There's always a sign of joy, a joy a, a time, something of delight, of great pleasure, the kind of joy that can only show up when Jesus shows up. And as the angel makes it clear, this is really good news because we need joy in our lives. Deep, everlasting joy that does not fade like a quick-setting sun or does not recede like I'm starting to notice the hair on my forehead is. I'm getting to that age where it seems like every day my forehead looks like it's just a little bit bigger. But I, I don't know if you feel like this sometimes, but I, can, I feel like sometimes I just kind of get in this funk in, in my life, and, and life is just kind of blah. And if I kind of coast in that for long enough and kind of let myself be in that state for long enough, I kind of start to believe that that's kind of like how it's supposed to be. And that's not true at all. That's not true at all. That's not as good as it gets. See, as a follower of Jesus, sometimes I know that I need a wake-up call. I need a wake-up call sometimes that I am meant to experience joy. That the source of joy is living inside of me that God is in me and working through me, that I have this abundant life in relationship with God and that God does desire to give me and to give you great joy. I remember a few years back at the end of a service here, um, we were doing ministry time and some people had come up for prayer and I was a little bit late coming up to pray, um, but I just kind of jumped in and joined somebody and there was this one gentleman praying for another gentleman and uh, I, I totally missed what he wanted prayer for. So I just kind of stood behind him and put my hand on his shoulder. And, and as soon as the guy start, the first guy started praying for him, the guy who was receiving prayer just started laughing. And, and it, was, it wasn't this little like <laughs> chuckle. 
It was like out loud, out of control laughter. And it just kind of went on and on and on. And I think people around were kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of disruptive. And, and it was, to be honest. I'm sure the people right by were having trouble hearing what they were getting prayer for. But, but it was also this really beautiful thing that this guy just could not control his joy. And after he did kind of quiet down, you know, we just asked him, what was going on? And he just said, as soon as you started praying, I just, it was like, oh, this overwhelming sense of joy just came on me. And I, I knew I probably sounded ridiculous. And I was, I honestly could not stop. I was like a little kid laughing at some you know, joke, knowing it was inappropriate to laugh, but I couldn't, I couldn't stop. Isn't that a beautiful picture of what the kingdom of God can look like when, when joy crashes in. And I just, you know, my hope and prayer is that, you know, those kinds of things like happen to you and to me often in life. That that, that, that might be a regular occurrence up here. Or that might be a regular occurrence when people pray for you or you pray for people. That we might experience the joy that God has for you so much that we can't contain it. I think that would be so, so just wonderful. Now, what's amazing to me about this source of joy that Jesus has for you and me is that it's not just a little bit of joy. It's not like a sprinkle here and a sprinkle there, you know, just to help us survive the day. You know, it's not a 20-second YouTube cat funny video where the, you know, the cat playing a piano or something like that, right? It is Jesus offers and promises us complete joy, complete joy. He tells his disciples that they will receive joy to the fullest extent. Look what it says in John 15, verse 9 and 11. It says this. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Complete. When we... Learn to walk with Jesus and sit and remain in his love. That allows him to begin to be the source of complete joy in our lives. Doesn't that just sound better than just about anything this world can offer us? I remember in my own experience, you know, when I, when I first came into like realizing that I needed God, that I needed, I needed Jesus to save me, you know, and I remember praying and asking a simple thing like, God, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I am. I don't know. I don't get all this stuff, but uh, but I don't want this to just be a religious thing. Like I want to know you, and I want to follow the path that you have for me. I don't want to keep blazing my own because it's not really working out like I think it should. And and I just remember this at the beginning of being a Christian. This overwhelming sense of excitement and joy that was just surrounding me all the time. I saw troubles. My life was still a mess. But I just felt so much joy and excitement. You know, if, if, you've, if you've been a Christian, or if you are a Christian, has that happened to you? Do you know what that feels like? If you've been a Christian for a long time, do you remember what that was like at the beginning? Where you just were so excited that, that God loved you, that God knew you. Then I think, though, there's a problem that happens. That sometimes we, at the beginning, we can feel this excitement, but then we can become confused and distraught when all of a sudden our lives aren't all cupcakes and rainbows. You know, like things aren't always perfect. It's not just joy, 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 
from then on out. It's not, everything is not just always wonderful. Don't you just wish that that's how it was? That life before Jesus was all like sad face emojis, you know, and life after with him is just smile face emojis all the time, like everything went perfect. But I think we all know that that's just not how it seems to work. And that's because the kingdom of God, even though the kingdom of God did break in on Christmas Day, it's not fully here yet. It's what we talk about all the time, the already and the not yet. So we can experience joy, we can experience, but, but we're really, life is really a mixed bag. It, we're a mixture of emotions. And that's the, the second point in your notes is that there's a mixture of joy right now in this side of heaven. There's a mixture of joy. I don't know how many of you guys saw uh, this Disney, Disney movie a few years back. It was called Inside Out. Anybody? It was a kid's movie, I know. So. But um, if you never saw the movie, it's a great movie. Great movie. I, would, I would even recommend it for adults because it, it just really does a great job of really portraying the complexity of emotions that we all experience. But without ruining it too much, in this movie, this little girl named Riley, she's the main character, and and Riley, uh, in her mind, has all these other little characters that push buttons and pull levers in her mind. And each one of them personifies a different emotion. So there's a little character called anger and one called fear and disgust and sadness. And, and the main little character in her mind is called joy. And, and all throughout the movie, her life kind of starts to unravel and these little characters are struggling with what to do. And, but in the end they come to this realization that some experiences in life are not just one emotion or one feeling, but that it can be a mixture of sadness and joy all at the same time. And we know this to be true. You know, if, you've, if you have kids and they're older and they've, they've, they've moved out of the house, you know, you, you're a mixed bag of emotions because because you're, on one hand, you're really sad, right? You're really sad that the time has gone so fast and, and I'm gonna miss them. And, but on the other hand, you're like, you know, ecstatic. Like, I got my life back, you know? <laughs> you know, like I got freedom, you know? But you're a mixed bag of emotion. Or if you, if you started, let's say you start a new job or you start a new business or a new career, like you're a mixed bag because on one hand, you're super excited and joyful about this opportunity. But on the other hand, you're scared out of your mind. What did we just do? What did I just do? You know, terrified. Did I make the wrong decision? You know, the, the risk is too much. Did I, is it too much? You know, we, we live in this reality, I think, where, where we know what it, it's like to be kind of all over the place sometimes. You know, my brother and his wife, my brother and his wife, they have two beautiful kids. And they have a, another one on the way. They're expecting another one in March. And very excited for them. But this is actually their fourth pregnancy. Their very first child, they, um, they had a miscarriage. And I remember when they told my wife and I and our family the news and how just, oh, the pain they had. The pain that they, you know, you could just hear in their voice and in their tears. But what's amazing to me is, um, is this, is that before, even before that time, while they were still pregnant, and, and since that time, they refer to this baby as baby joy. That's what they call him. 
baby joy, because, because they say that even with all that pain and suffering, they wouldn't trade it for the world. And how much joy that child brought to them, even for that short, short time. And we are a mixed bag. We are a mixed bag of emotions. And we can take courage that Jesus knew what this was like. Jesus knew what it was like. He knew what it was like to live in this tension. Look what Paul says about Jesus in Hebrews 12 too. He says this. It's a weird verse. <laughs> For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. That's weird. Jesus experienced joy going to the cross, knowing the pain and the shame and the suffering he was going to experience. And notice, you know, we talked about, I talked about this at the beginning, you know, being, joy is different than happiness. Notice it doesn't say that Jesus, Jesus wasn't happy about going to the cross. It does, the verse doesn't say for happiness set before him. It says joy. These circumstances are obviously hard, hard, harder than anything I think we've ever gone through. But Jesus was able to hold on to something deeper than, than happiness. He was able to hold on to joy because he knew that he was doing the Father's will. And he knew he was saving you and me. And brought him joy in the midst of suffering. But I know for me sometimes, I know for me, sometimes my emotions and even my sin can, can block or create a barrier for me experiencing joy. That it can, it can create like a fog keeping joy from my sight. Here's what I mean by that. Have you ever been wanted to be joyful for someone because maybe they got a promotion or a new home or something like that and, and you wanted to be happy for them but, but really in reality you were a little bit jealous or envious or feeling a little greedy like you felt like you deserved that promotion or, I, or you wish you could have afforded that home. And if you're honest, you just kind of want to throw up a little bit in your mouth. Is that, is that just me or some of, you, some of you know what that's like? I, and you know you should be joyful for them because you care about them. But there is this, this other stuff that is blocking you from experiencing that joy. And it's not so much for them, it's for you. It's, you, you want to be joyful for them, but you just can't. And I think right now, as I'm saying this, I think that the Holy Spirit is moving on some of you and in a loving way saying to you, that sounds like you and so-and-so. And maybe, it's, maybe the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, we should talk about this because I don't want you to hold on to this stuff anymore because I have, I have joy for you. I have a life full of joy for you. And I don't want to see that being blocked by this sin that you're holding on to or these other emotions that you're holding on to. And they're not the same things. Emotions aren't sin. I'm not trying to say that. I'm saying, do you guys know what I'm saying? I, okay. <laughs> Maybe. So one person. One person knows what I'm saying. Okay, keep moving on before they pull you off the stage. Okay. Um, if you were here last week, if you were here last week, Michael ta talked about a story when he was talking about the power of hope, and he talked about a story of this, this woman named Elizabeth. This woman named Elizabeth in Luke 1 who becomes pregnant with this little baby boy named John. And this pregnancy is an absolute miracle. 
Absolute miracle, because Elizabeth is, is very old in age, and she's never been able to have children. She's well past childbearing years, and yet God does this amazing miracle where an angel appears to her husband and tells, her, tells him that his wife's going to be pregnant. And not only are they going to have this beautiful baby boy, but this baby boy is going to have a super important job. He's going to become like this most amazing prophet. And not only that, is he just going to be any prophet? He's going to be like the prophet who prepares the way for the Messiah, for Jesus. And so they are just filled with joy. They're experiencing so much joy and so excited. And then, and then her cousin, Mary, comes to see her. And Mary and Elizabeth meet. And Mary comes to tell her that she is pregnant as well. And she's pregnant with Jesus. And look at Elizabeth's response. Look at Elizabeth's response to this idea that when, when Mary tells her this news, you know, she says this in Luke 1.44, she says this, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. You know, John, not even being born yet, is filled with kingdom joy. He leaps at the sound that Mary's pregnant with Jesus. Now, maybe this is just in my weird head, but I started to imagine, what if, what if this little baby John didn't respond like that? What if he didn't respond in joy? What if he responded in a different way? What if he kind of rolled over in oh, disgust or jealousy or envy? Like, way to go, Jesus. This is supposed to be my time to shine. You know, my mom's the miracle. This is the, I'm the miracle baby, right? And you had to go and make a bigger miracle, immaculate conception, right? Like, <sighs> stealing my thunder. But he doesn't respond like that at all. He leaps for joy. And what's interesting is John seems to have this same attitude of, of, of joy, of not being jealous, of not being envious of Jesus his entire life his entire life. As they grow up, John says things like this about Jesus. He says things like this. The one who comes after me, talking about Jesus, is greater than me. And I'm not even worthy to unvelcro his sandals. That's the Andrew version. You know, or I must become less so he can become more. John has this sustained joy in his life that would not allow jealousy or envy or anything like that to get in his way. How do we get joy like that? I want to have joy like that because that's not how I always feel about people, if I'm honest. And that leads to my third point here. My third point is that we can make exchanges of joy with God. We can make exchanges of joy. You know, last week, Michael talked about making exchanges, going after hope and and, and Danny has preached this for years, and I just don't think we can hear this enough. I honestly don't. I know for me, I need to be reminded of this regularly. And I, and I actually had this point planned to speak on today before Michael ever preached last week. So I don't think it's coincidence. I think it's very much that God is doing something in us, in this church, trying to really kind of drill this down, that we can make exchanges with God. He wants to do that with us. Look at what it says in Jeremiah 31, 13. You can write that ver this verse down here real quick. 
This is the New Living Translation, Jeremiah 31, 13. Look at this promise of God to us. The young women will dance for joy and the men, old and young, will join in the celebration. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and exchange their sorrow for rejoicing. I will exchange their sorrow for rejoicing. God promises us, his kids, that he'll make an exchange with us, a trade with us. That we can, we can take him our sorrows, we can take him our grief, our stuff, and he'll trade us for joy. Isn't that just an awesome promise? There's a, there was a popular worship song I remember singing when I first kind of came into the vineyard. I felt like we sang it every week in small group. And, uh, and it, went kinda, it went like this. See if any of you were, if any of you were around, you might remember it. It went like this. I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my shame. And I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. Do you remember that song? This is a promise from God that we can trade him. We can trade him our stuff. We can trade him our brokenness, our sadness, our sorrows, and he promises to give us back joy. I think one of the most powerful aspects of worship when we sing songs at the beginning and things like that, is that that is the perfect time to make those exchanges. That we can, we can come in at wherever we're at, whatever we're going through, and start to make exchanges as we sing and worship him. And we can express our joy back to him. As he gives us joy, we can express our joy. And kind of as a, as a side note, like if you're, if you're wondering if, if VCDC is a place where you can clap your hands and sing as loud as you can and dance a little bit, you know, just a little bit, you know, just get a little bit into it. If you're wondering, if, if, if you're waiting for permission to do that, permission granted, go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Just between you and God. It's not about hype. It's about authentic relationship with God. What might we become a church where we worship him so much, it feels like joy is just pouring out of these walls and the doors are flying off by the hinges. We can make exchanges of joy. What does that look like? What, do, what does exchanges of joy look like? I would tell a little story. There was a little boy, this was a long time ago, a little boy went to a candy store hoping to buy his favorite candy and he had saved up two, the amount of two nickels and not much money now, but back then it was, he was hoping it'd be enough. And he had two nickels. And he had his favorite candy, and he, you know, little boy, flops it up on the counter. And the cashier looks at it, and he's, you know, the boy's like excited, and, and the cashier looks at him and says, I'm sorry, son, it's not quite enough, you know. You know, come back when you have just a little bit more. And the boy's almost in tears. He starts to leave, and he leaves, he's walking out the door, and this woman standing behind him sees this all play out. And she stops the little boy, she gets down on her knees and she looks him right in the eyes. And she says to him, son, I was wondering if you'd do me a favor. I saw those two shiny nickels you have there. See, I got these two quarters in my little change purse and they're, they're just kind of weighing me down. I was wondering if you might, would you make a trade with me? Would you trade with me? The little boy didn't know how to count money. <laughs> he thought two coins for two coins. Okay, whatever. So he trades her the two coins and he starts to leave 
you know, the store and the cashier seeing all of this says, hold, hold, hold on, boy, hold on, son. You have more than enough now. In fact, go get more. You have more than enough. And he left for, with a state of immense joy. Immense joy. It doesn't, isn't it true that it seems like God, all throughout scripture, we see God making these very unfair exchanges where we always seem to get the bigger piece of the pie. He takes our sins and he gives us forgiveness. He takes our chains and he gives us freedom. He takes our heavy burdens and he makes them light. We make exchanges with him and he always gives us something better in return. We can go to him with our sorrows and our troubles and he can give us joy. And yet I know some of us are thinking in our lives, thinking right now that that this exchange, this isn't always automatic though. I wish it was like that, you know? I wish it was like that we could sometimes say a quick prayer, say, God, I'm sad about this. Will you, you know, please fill me up with joy and poof, magic. I feel awesome, you know? My frown has turned upside down. But life just doesn't seem to work like that. Joy is not always instantaneous, but it can be cultivated. And that's the fourth point in your notes, that the cultivation of joy. We can cultivate joy, and joy can grow in us over time through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. Look at this promise. This is a great verse, Psalm 126.5. Psalm 126.5. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. Think about that for a second. This idea of sowing and reaping takes time. It takes time. This joy that God promises us takes time sometimes. It's a process. It's like planting seeds in the ground that take time to sprout and grow and produce fruit. But we can plant our seeds of sorrow and we can water them regularly with prayer and worship and and scripture and in God's right timing, he will yield for us a crop of immense joy. Some of you know know my wife, Sarah, you know a little bit about her story, but um, for a few years back, she struggled with a lot of chronic health stuff. She started with a lot of chronic, a lot of chronic fatigue and being tired all the time and dizzy. Uh, and we struggled to figure out what was going on. And eventually she was diagnosed with a, a thyroid disorder called Hashimoto's. Um, and it's basically where, you know, cr- created her to feel like that. And she's actually been diagnosed with a couple other autoimmune disorders since then. Um, and through medication and working with doctors and physical therapy and a lot of prayer, she's, been, she's doing a lot better. Um, but one of the side effects from those years of not fear, feeling very good was that she really started to struggle with anxiety. My once very outgoing wife now never wanted to leave the house or was afraid to drive anywhere by herself. And fear, of, fear of what would happen if I was driving and I got really dizzy. And I got my, the kids in the backseat. What would happen? And, and it would become overwhelming and she'd have these panic attacks. And, and, um, and it, it came to a point where she made a decision that she w- didn't want to live like this anymore and she was going to start to cultivate joy. 
And she was going to start to start every day expecting and hoping and praying that God would fill her with joy, even if she didn't feel that great. That she would step out in faith and trust that he would be with her. He would get her there. And that there would be moments of joy throughout her day that she could hold on to. That she could, you know, be grounded in. And what was beautiful about it was that over time, and it almost was unnoticeable, you know? Sure, it's kind of like when a plant grows, right? You don't even really notice him growing. It's not, you can't see the small changes happening. But over time, her anxiety has gone way, way down. She still has days where it kind of comes up a little bit, but it's nothing like it was. And, and, I, and it's, it's like she finds these opportunities to experience joy so much more often than she used to. And we have this, this sign, this beautiful sign that, you know, at kind of at the, at our bed faces this sign. So when we sit up in the morning, it's the first thing she and I see in the morning. And it says this, it says, in everything that you choose to do in life, find joy. And it's a, a reminder to her and to me that I can, I can choose to find joy in God. I can choose to trust him. I can choose to find it in the moments of life. Even when it's not going well, even when we're going through trials and tough circumstances, we can find joy in the journey, in that process. And finally, the last point I want to make here is that as Christians, we are called to be witnesses of joy. The last point in your notes is that we are witnesses of joy. If there is ever a time to be a witness of joy, it's Christmas time. It's Christmas time sharing joy and love and goodness to everyone who we come in contact with. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have full and complete access to joy and the ability to spread it to everyone we, we reach. And I believe that if God is growing joy in you and me, that there will be an abundance of joy that we can pour out on other people. In Acts 1.8, Jesus tells his disciples this. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth. Part of this power that we are a witness to, I, I actually believe is the power of joy. That we have the power of joy that we can share with this world. And do you know why we can do this? Why we can share joy with others like this? It's because God has joy in you. Do you know that God has joy in you? You bring God joy. This last verse, Zephaniah 3, 17. Beautiful verse. Zephaniah 3, 17 says this, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but rejoice over you with singing. This phrase, he will take great delight in you in Hebrew is interesting. It literally means that God rejoices over you with joy. God rejoices over you with joy. And if that sounds redundant, it's because it is. It's redundant. The author of Hebrews could have just said, God has joy in you, or God rejoices in you. But he says he rejoices in you with joy. You bring God not just a little bit of joy. You bring God joy upon joy upon joy. And not just the future version of you, not just the you who gets your act together, who's earned it, who's figured it all out, 
but the you that's sitting in your chair right now, just as you are, broken, sinful, wherever you're at, you bring God joy. Why don't we stand up? Why don't we stand up? This is good news. This is great news. This is the gospel message, isn't it? Isn't this the gospel? That you bring God joy. And as I'm saying this right now, I feel like there are people in here who don't feel worthy of this joy. If that's you, you weren't listening to me a second ago. There is nothing you can do, nothing you can do that will take away the joy that God has in you. Absolutely nothing. Nothing. All right, pull it together, Andrew. <laughs> Every week at the end, we always kind of end our services with a chance to respond. You know, because I believe that God is doing things in your lives right now. And we don't want to leave and go about our day and not take a chance to respond to that. So I want to invite a few of you forward to get prayer today. If you simply want more joy in your life, you just, you're going through a season of life where you just know joy is lacking, or you're feeling kind of blah, I want you to just come forward, get prayer. If you want to make some exchanges with God, trade some of your sorrows for joy, come forward for that. I think some of us might be realizing that we've been aiming for happiness. And, we, and God wants to shift that and say, let's, let's start aiming for joy. Let's aim for something deeper and richer that can't be taken away from you. If you're sick or struggling today, you know, we want to pray for you because I think God has joy for you. You know, when, when people, when Jesus and the disciples in the Bible would pray for people and they would get healed, their response was always to be filled with joy. They were always so joyful. And I, and I wonder too, you know, with this being around Christmas time, and sometimes this is a season where people start to think about their relationship with Jesus. If you're here today, maybe visiting, maybe you've been coming for a long time, but if you're here today, and you don't, you didn't, you don't know what it's like to experience that joy that I was talking about when you come into a relationship with God, today is the day where, where I think God has for you to start that, to experience that joy. I want to encourage you. I know it might take a little courage to come forward. It won't be weird. Somebody's just going to pray for you real quick and just bless what God's doing in your life. But if any of those things are true for you, if you want more joy in your life, I want to encourage you to start making your way forward. JT's going to lead us in a worship song. It's one we sing here often called, O Come to the Altar. And there's a line in this song that says, bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. So let's, let's do that this morning. Let's do that. Go ahead and start to make your way forward and some and guys pray for guys, girls pray for girls.
Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Well, Jesus is calling. See, we need a few more prayers up here, especially some women. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Yes, it was. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Cause Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes a new life is born Jesus is calling We'll come to the altar The Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was part with Precious blood of Jesus Christ Come to the altar The Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness What with the precious blood of Jesus Christ Yes, it was. And no what a Savior isn't He wonderful? We sing Hallelujah, Christ is.
come to the altar The Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was bought with The precious blood of Jesus Christ Come to the altar Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was bought with The precious blood of Jesus Christ If you're receiving prayer, just continue to, to receive the joy that God has for you this morning. For those of us in our seats, I want to leave you with a little bit of homework. That's maybe that's a teacher in me, I guess. Um, I want to challenge you to, you know, if you wrote down some of these verses today, to go home and, and write them out. Write them out on index cards or sticky notes or post-its and stick them around your house. Put them on your bathroom mirror. Stick them on your dashboard of your car. The Bible is filled with verses on joy. Absolutely fill with them. Just read them throughout the week. Read them throughout the week and, and, and start to notice and experience the, the, the joy in your life that God has for you. Start to, to recognize how, how often, more often you're aware of the joyful moments that He has in your lives. And, and let me just end with this. Let's just end by praying together here. So pray with me. Father, this Christmas season, may it not be like every other December, but rather one in which we receive life from the source of joy. We embrace and work through the mixture of joy in our trials, in our circumstances. We learn to make exchanges of joy with you, God. As a daily thing, we cultivate joy by turning to you again and again and again. That we might live as witnesses of joy for the kingdom of God. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.